Hello, and welcome to another episode of the End Time Blog Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Prado, and today I'm talking about how Beth Moore is an Anglican now. This will be a little bit long, but please listen because I also look at the nature of apostasy and give lots of resources throughout. Well, the news is that Beth Moore and her husband Keith have become members of a local Anglican church. Let's do some background, biblical background. Now, false teachers exist. They damage the faithful and they blemish the spotless name of Jesus. They are a scourge. 1 John 4.1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Beth Moore is a false teacher. The Lord, for his own reasons, has allowed her to operate publicly as a teacher for a very long time, at least since 1985. Her charm, her good looks, her expressive dynamism, and her talent for telling a story propelled her over the years to the top of the heap in, quote, Bible study, authors, and itinerant teachers. We've got two links here. One says, has Beth Moore only recently drifted or has she always been false? And another link, Beth Moore's spiritual biography. Well, she has stayed at the top of the heap all this time. Before Moore parted with Lifeway, her publisher, earlier this year, I was told by a Lifeway worker in 2018 that, quote, no one's products provide as much revenue as Beth Moore's, unquote. She is popular and the money proves it. False converts. The verse in Matthew 7, 21 to 23 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons? And in your name, perform many miracles. And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Leave me, you who practice lawlessness. Well, the future shock of that moment when someone discovers they were not really saved after all is disturbing to think of. Or the moment when a false convert who knew or suspected they were false, but discover that no argument, no reasoning, and no plea to Jesus will save them, is also haunting. The Lord will say, depart from me. The other disturbing element of false teachers is they cast reproach onto Jesus' name by their evil words or deeds or lifestyle. I hate that. I really hate that. 
And Moore is a prime example of females who do this. But on the day, I will also exalt in the Lord Jesus' vindication of his name. Now let's take a look at apostasy for a bit. It's a departure from the faith. False converts are an interesting species of people. Sometimes their treachery rises to a level of theology or behavior that quickly identifies their lost state. I think of the story of Charles Templeton and Billy Graham. The two were close friends. They shared billing, they founded things together, but Templeton soon publicly began struggling with doubt. Within 10 years, he was an avowed agnostic and he had left the faith. Now, I consider Billy Graham a false convert too, one who apostatized. I believe this for many reasons, all scriptural, but that's another essay. If you ask me to substantiate it, I will. Anyway, Graham persevered as a seeming true convert for 84 more years. But with clues as to how shaky his foundation was, if one cared to look. Templeton faded fast, but Graham remained for decades. He never actually renounced the faith like Templeton did, but by his words and acts, he fell away from the foundational doctrines. This also is apostasy. Apostasy is either a renunciation of the faith, like Templeton, or a falling away from the foundational doctrines while clinging to non-foundational doctrines and going through an outward motion of a believer. That's Graham. More on the definition of apostasy in a link below that's titled, What is Apostasy and How Can I Recognize It? Now, false believers, always down and away. The trajectory of a false teacher, false convert is always down. It's always away from the faith. Either fast or slow, a false convert or a false teacher is always departing from the word of God. The Lord Jesus said, there are only two paths. You're on one or the other. It's either narrow or broad, period. Now, not that some can't realize they're on the broad path, repent, and become a sojourner on the narrow. Yes, that's possible. The trajectory of a true believer is always up. It can be bumpy. It can have setbacks. But over time and years, the walk should always be toward less sin, less hypocrisy, frequent repentance, more confident trust in the Lord, greater grace, and quicker obedience. New section titled, A Small Liturgical Church. Now, there are true Christian denominations that rely heavily on liturgy. In the U.S., the primary liturgical churches are Lutheran, Episcopal, and Anglican. This is a quote on defining what liturgy is. Liturgy in the Christian church is a rite 
R-I-T-E, or system of rituals prescribed for public worship in any Christian denomination or church. It's a customary repertoire or repetition of ideas, phrases, observances. Elements of a Christian liturgy could include baptism, communion, kneeling, singing, prayer, repetition of sayings, sermon or homily, sign of the cross, altar call, and benediction, end quote, of liturgy definition from learningreligions.com. So for people who grew up Catholic, the Anglican church service will be very familiar because the doctrine of the Anglican church is a mix of Catholicism and Protestant Reformation theology. The Catholic Church and the Orthodox Churches are false churches and a false religion. Let's make that clear. But for American and other denominations whose services contain much liturgy, we have to be careful that it doesn't become rote, as per Matthew 6-7 and Isaiah 29-13. Or that the liturgy doesn't compete with or replace the preaching of the word. Sadly, many times both things happen. Gotquestions.org says, quote, in all liturgical churches, there is a danger of allowing the form of religious ceremony to replace the personal application of faith, as per Psalm 51, 16 to 17. This was a key point of contention by the Puritans and others who ultimately left the Anglican Church. Now, liturgical services are scripted. That's what liturgy is. It's a script for the form of worship or a kind of playbook for how the service is to progress. New section. New Church for More. Beth Moore, Liturgy Advent. Recently, Beth Moore departed Lifeway. She renounced being a Baptist and loudly left the Southern Baptist Convention. In June, on her Twitter, she declared that she had found a, quote, small liturgical church, unquote, in her area. She has mightily been enjoying this small liturgical church. Well, I did some research and found what what church it is. It's an Anglican church, Anglican, not Episcopalian. She and her husband, Keith, became members of it in September. She said she's figuring out, quote, the kneeling bench. She bought a book um, called Every Moment Holy, Volume 1, which contains over 100 liturgies for daily life, including liturgies for meals. She gushed and gushed about being, quote, deeply wounded in her previous churches. And she was wowed by loving people who wrapped their arms around her and her husband and welcomed them at the new church. She said she was happy to find a, quote, different way to worship, unquote. She said she loved saying the creed and that the liturgy has filled her with hope again. Not Jesus. She said she and Keith shot to the altar for communion like starving people begging for bread. 
She also loves what this liturgical church is about because it's, quote, not just primarily what's coming from the pulpit. I give a link to the thread reader unroll to read for yourself what she had to say. Now, the Moore's New Church is part of the Anglican Church of North America. And there's a link to read about what Anglicans believe, but suffice to say, it is as close to Roman Catholic as one can get without being Catholic. Some people in the congregation kneel as they enter the pew, like Catholics do. Some genuflect in the Roman Catholic um, sign of the cross. Vestments are highly ornate and are present on all who serve at the pulpit, including women. Remember, her husband Keith was raised by staunch Catholics, and Moore has taught publicly that Roman Catholic is another denomination akin to Methodists and Baptists. Because this is 2021 and people misunderstand and misinterpret things, I'll be clear. I am not saying that the Anglican or other liturgical church denominations like Episcopal, Lutheran, some Presbyterian, and some Methodist are filled with lost people. No, I am not saying that. Men I respect, like J.I. Packer, were Anglican. Chris Rosebro is a Lutheran pastor. Many millions of people who attend liturgical churches are brethren, blessed by the liturgical service structure and glory in it. But what I am saying is, if a person is lost, they will want the trappings of religiosity without the submission. That is much easier to find in a liturgical church than a confessional one. They will want to appear righteous without the obedience. Matthew 23, 28. They want religious apparatus, ornamentation, ritual. So a lost person will love the emphasis on liturgical tradition and its script and not, quote, just primarily what is coming from the pulpit. While many people saved people enjoy liturgical services, many false believers find it easier to fit into them. The service affirms their intellectual assent, but does nothing for their soul. These false converts feel satisfied in participating in religious scripts, rather than glorifying God in obedience to his word. I think of Francis Chan, who apostatized. He drifted away from his solid foundation, gained from the master's university and the master's seminary. And he bumped along on a rocky faith walk, mostly down, wrote some questionable books, more down, and then showed his quickening spiral by drifting over to many false teachers and then the Catholics, really down. The verse says, they went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out so that it would be evident they are not all of us. 1 John 2.19 So at Beth Moore's new 
church. There are a great many women serving during the service. These women wear priestly vestments, speak from the lectern, participate with the priest regarding the Eucharist portion of the service. They lead processionals. This visible role of women would appeal to a rebel female preacher like Moore. It's natural for a false convert such as Moore to slide into a church like this. So here's my second point about false believers and false teachers and apostasy. And it's sad. False believers bring with them their false notions. For example, after just two months of being a church member, Beth Moore was asked to begin teaching a study at her new Anglican church. This class is part of her school, her church's school of ministry, and it's, quote, for education for both ordained and lay people, unquote. Her class is titled The Biblical Narrative and How to Teach a Bible Study. You notice underneath the class calendar listing in a screenshot in the essay is a course about women in ministry taught by a female deacon, Reverend Deacon Lisa Schwant. Interestingly, Schwant was only one of three women invited in 2019 to the College of Bishops meeting to discuss women in ministry. Now, of all people, Moore should not be teaching a class on how to teach the Bible. But this is the sad part. False doctrine is like gangrene. It infects. It poisons. It will poison the people in her new church. And so it goes. The Lord ordains this. It is part of his plan. I think of Luke 17, 1. Now he said to his disciples, it is inevitable that stumbling blocks come, but woe to one through whom they come. Sadly, though, installing Moore so quickly as teacher in her new church is strange because by her own admission, she's totally unfamiliar with doctrine and practice of her new church. And this demonstrates that the person making these decisions lacks discernment. It's unknown whether she's teaching a co-ed class. One person on her Twitter asked, but that went unanswered. She's also been asked to emcee the church's Women Advent Luncheon. Though she did take time out to carp that she was asked to emcee, not speak. She's become embedded fast. And in my opinion, it's not very humble to vault so quickly to positions in a new church rather than sit quietly, listen, and learn. But that's never been Beth's more penchant. 1 Peter 2.8 says, A stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word. And to this they were appointed. Here's the famous quote. In chapter five of The Natural History of Morals, Frederick Nietzsche said, the most important thing on heaven and earth is, quote, that there should be a long obedience in the same direction. Now, Nietzsche did not mean obedience to God. 
but obedience instead to whatever you enjoy most, whether it's art, music, dancing, spirituality. But his phrasing is a great way to understand the sanctifying walk of a true Christian. The Anglican Church more now is a member of believes that the Eucharist, in the Eucharist, Jesus Christ becomes actually present in the bread and wine and actually becomes the body and blood. The church gives a baptized person an option to participate in the process at the rail by refusing the wafer, but signaling they want a blessing instead by crossing their arms instead of holding out their hands for the wafer. I've seen in the church videos that both Moors have been to the communion rail and have accepted the wafer, as well as Beth saying so in her own words on Twitter. Beth Moore's gravitation away from the faith is evident in this new move. She has always been me-centered and man-centered. Religious trappings for her are not a vehicle to further glorify God, but a way to appear deeply committed, while absent of the obedience Jesus requires to be one of his own. 2 Timothy 3 4b-5 says, they are lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid people such as these. If we are truly converted, our walk with Christ is primarily about submission and obedience. Obeying his word, submitting to his precepts, We strive in every way to demonstrate gratitude for our salvation and imputed righteousness by adhering as much as we can in our still sinful flesh to slay that sin and honor his name. A true convert's walk is a long obedience in the same direction toward Jesus. A false believer's walk and apostatizing believer's walk will be one of a long disobedience in the same direction, away from Jesus. The inescapable trajectory Beth Moore has been on since the beginning is slowly culminating in this. Her trajectory is sadly down and away. Rather than slouching toward Bethlehem, as Yeats said, do we see more inching toward Catholicism? Which way are you walking over time? Will you hear, well done, good and faithful servant? Or, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Are you in a right relationship with God? There will be some resources in the show notes to help you answer that question. Well, this has been another episode of the End Time Blog Podcast. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. And have a wonderful evening.